Hey, what's up? My name is Brendan Bigley, and you're listening to The Internet Today, the show where I find the best stuff on the internet, so you do not have to. Last night, I had a really weird dream. It was very trippy, in which I woke up in my normal apartment and got ready for work, and then stepped out the front door, and then woke up in real life. What I'm saying is, this could all be a dream. Anyway, let's get into the show. So if you listen to yesterday's episode, I talked about how I usually just pick some stories because of the headline, not because the actual story is interesting. I got two for you today. Number one, over in Boston, a TSA agent found a live 20-pound lobster in someone's suitcase. I would love to know why in the hell you would put a live lobster in your suitcase. That sounds like a sketch on The Amanda Show and not a thing that would happen in real life. Number two, in China, passengers were boarding a plane, which then had to be grounded for five hours when word got out that one of the passengers, an old lady, had thrown a bunch of coins into the plane's engine for good luck. It's on one hand kind of cute and on the other hand incredibly, incredibly dangerous. But I love this idea that she just wanted everyone to have a safe flight. It's very nice. Onward. So I read this interesting piece on Inverse.com today, talking about the marriage of psychedelic drugs and virtual reality. It seems like such an obvious thing when you really think about it. This idea that, like, I'll take acid or mushrooms and then put on a VR headset. Like, it's weird that the thought had never occurred to me and that I hadn't seen it before today. This article actually interviewed people who have tried it in the past, and they said that the results are good. It's not like, it's not like it makes it worse, right? It's not like it makes virtual reality worse. But apparently... It doesn't make it any more immersive, which is, I think, where my brain originally went when I read the headline. What does happen is that it accentuates the grid in between the pixels, right? Because you have this screen tied to your face, and because the screen is so close to your eyes, you'd be able to differentiate each pixel from one another. I've never tried an Oculus Rift or an HTC Vive, but I did try the PlayStation VR headset, and that was something that I definitely noticed, where the pixels and the space in between the pixels. This idea that, like, eating a bunch of psychedelic mushrooms and then putting a VR headset on, even if it was the Oculus Rift or the HTC Vive, and having that accentuate that gap or the gaps between the pixels, um, it's kind of disappointing. But at the end of the day, the first-hand experiences seem to imply that it's a pretty fun thing to do. I'm not one to do psychedelic drugs, nor do I have a VR headset, so I will not be doing any of this. But I just wanted to make note of it, because it's an interesting blend of humanity's first way of departing reality, and humanity's newest way of departing reality. And I think that's really interesting, that marriage between the two. So I think the biggest story happening today is about this ridiculously huge lawsuit happening between Google and the European Commission. Essentially, Google is being sued for $2.7 billion. I've seen a lot of explainers on the internet about this, so I'm just going to try and distill it down to its most basic form. Say you're searching for a folding chair on Google. You go to Google and you type in beige folding chair, and you see a bunch of shopping results up top. The claim is that Google would promote their own shopping listings above every other website that sold that beige chair. Meaning, I don't know, Newegg, Amazon, you name it. Google was putting their stuff ahead of everyone else's. Now you might think that's just kind of the way that works, because Google owns Google, right? So they're allowed to kind of put their own search results wherever they want. But in the EU, this is a strictly anti-business move, and if it was real, would be illegal. So Google said they're probably going to try and appeal this, because $2.7 billion is a lot of money, and we'll see how it shakes out. That's what's going on. Google put ads for their own thing above the ads that people paid for, and now they're getting fined an unbelievable amount of money. 
Feel-good story of the day comes from Dylan Cuthbert in Kyoto, Japan. Dylan was one of the original programmers on Star Fox 2, which is a game that got cancelled at about 80-90% to 90 of its development time. So they were very close to finishing it when Nintendo ended up axing the game. See, yesterday, if you were listening to the station, you heard me talk about the Super Nintendo Classic and about how Star Fox 2 is actually going to be coming out for the thing, it'll be the first time that the game comes out. It came as a surprise to a lot of people, but I imagine no one was more surprised than Dylan Cuthbert, who did not know that this was going to happen ahead of time, even though he was lead programmer on the game itself. Apparently, at the time, Star Fox 2 was this kind of like half-pixelated, half-3D game running on the Super Nintendo, and it was close enough to the release of the N64 that Nintendo kind of thought that releasing a 3D game on the Super Nintendo would make the 3D graphics of the N64 a little bit less spectacular when it launched. So just from a pure business marketing perspective, they scrapped the game. Not because it wasn't good, just because they didn't like the optics of it. As far as I know, there are ROMs of Star Fox 2 floating around on the internet. This like 80 to 90% completed version you could play now uh, if you found it in sketchy sources across the internet. But presumably, what we're going to get on the Super Nintendo is the actual completed version of Star Fox 2, which means that someone went back into that code and put those last couple hours of work in, which is really cool. I'm excited to play it. Like I said yesterday, I'm probably not going to get a Super Nintendo Classic, but hopefully Star Fox 2 ends up getting released elsewhere, like the 3DS or Nintendo Switch Virtual Console, because I would love to, love to, love to get to play that game. I think one of the things I found most interesting today was this article from Recode talking about how IBM has begun lobbying to Congress in favor of AI development. They're joining companies like Facebook, Google, and Apple, who are all doing the same thing, and they've all created divisions that just exist for AI lobbying. Basically, the idea is they just want to kind of inform Congress uh, because a lot of the narrative around AI has been very negative, right? You have people like Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking coming out every couple of months and saying something along the lines of like, hey, that Terminator situation... Uh, is probably going to happen. IBM and all these other companies, uh, they kind of want to dispel that idea, which, you know, I think they're obligated to do considering they have financial interest in allowing AI development to continue. But as someone with uh, absolutely no scientific background, just someone who, from the outskirts of the tech world, looks inward, I kind of feel the same way. I kind of feel like the future of AI is is going to be more positive than negative if the people who are making it act responsibly, right? That, that's been one of Elon Musk's big things. He and uh, Sam Altman from Y Combinator created a non-profit lab that exists purely to find the safest way to do AI research. And uh, I, I think that those kinds of initiatives are, are really what's going to prevent uh, maybe not even a Terminator situation, but a situation in which, you know, some sentient AI pops up and then we have all these moral implications of like what happens if you unplug it or what happens if it starts taking human people jobs, right? We're already seeing that with things like Uber uh, and that's going to come down the pipeline for basically everyone's job except for maybe the creative field, but maybe even not because there are AIs out there and you can look them up that compose music and make art and things like that. I don't know. I think it's a fascinating thing this push and pull between this idea that AI could end humanity or kind of be our salvation in one way. I'm excited to see which becomes a reality and which is just a weird fever dream. But this is definitely something that I'd love for you to call in and, and give me your thoughts on because it's something I think about all the time. 
At the last job I worked at, when I left, I made sure that the company that I worked for didn't need to hire someone to replace me because I automated my entire job. I, I basically found a series of algorithms and things that I could use and put in place that would essentially sell product on Amazon in place of a human being. So on a very rudimentary level, you can start to do this now. It just makes me kind of wonder what other people's thoughts are. So yeah, call in and let me know. Hey, my name is Brenda Bigley, and uh, that's the internet today. Check back tomorrow for more, and uh, thanks for listening. I don't know if I've ever said that. Hey, thanks for listening to this show. That's nice of you if you do that. All right. I'll talk to you later.